This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, Charlie. Good morning, Franklin. Uh, Do you know... uh, um 24 hours from now, it'll be, uh, the time will be uh, five minutes after eight. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, this is actually my favorite day of the whole year. A 25-hour day. Yeah. Wow. Think of the opportunities. Oh, Think of the sleep we sure. can get. Oh, I thought you were going to put me to work. <laughs> well, there's that. There's oh, the, well. There's that. Golly. There's still all that work to do in my yeah, garden. You're yeah. welcome to drop by and help. So the old, it's fall back, mm. spring forward deal. It's and fall, it's, we gain an extra hour of sleep tonight, right? Two o'clock in the morning. Yep. Or when you go to bed, set it back. Uh, You've had a busy week. Well, both of us did by the sounds of it. Yeah. Uh, Well, the one thing that kind of was different for me was a a friend in Ottawa who's in an established residential neighborhood, and he's been there for over 20 years, said, you know, I'm doing some construction around my house. I need you to come out and do a consultation on my garden because it's time. It needs renovation. So I said, fine, I'll come. So I hopped on my little Via Rail first class uh, trip out oh, to Ottawa. Uh, nice, yeah. Spent a, a full day in Ottawa uh-huh. with my friend Pat Gibson and then turned around and flew home afterwards. Yeah. So it was a quick in and out of Ottawa, but it was it was always nice to get out. It's always nice to get into the nation's capital because it's so different there than here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like the airport, for example. <laughs> yep. It's so small and so, so like, chill. Easy to get away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But, you know, uh, traveling by train, I love traveling yeah, by train. Yes, Can't beat the yes, train. Great. Well, anywho, uh, we better move along here because otherwise... Well, you've got some phone numbers <laughs> yes, to give out. Yes, that's right. Oh, you remind me of my job. Okay. Uh, I like to. In, in the Toronto area, here's the number to call to reach Charlie Dubbin. Okay, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. All righty. Okay. There, yep, go ahead. Uh, well, can I just want to... A couple yeah. of little announcements. Mm-hmm. The Scarborough Garden and Hort Society meets next Wednesday, November the 8th, for their annual general meeting, the board elections, and a free presentation, which is entitled Christmas Decorations by Sheridan Nurseries. Uh, Excuse me, refreshments are included. Guests are welcome. Don't be afraid to check out this particular group. They're quite a lot of fun. Doors open at 7 p.m. in the Scarborough Village Community Centre, which is 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Uh, the other thing is Monday, November 13th, 8 p.m. in the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland at Shepherd, the Agent Court Garden Club meets. The guest speaker is Jillian Taylor on the subject of succulents. There's a trendy mm. group of plants. Everybody loves succulents lately. Plan to socialize and laugh with 150-plus other novice, regular and or expert, very friendly gardeners. Coffee, tea, desserts for a small donation of pocket change. 
There you go. There you go. Okay. You know, I, I forgot a couple of things. What? Uh, what? For, well, first of all, our little mantra, call oh, early, point. call often, one question per call. That's and I, right. I pre-warned Josephine. Oh, I see, according to the monitor, has two questions. So, well, yeah, uh, she's going to try and do yeah. something fancy well, there, maybe. We'll, we'll police that very carefully. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, of course, if you're a first-time caller, when you call in, please let Sebastian, our operator, know. And Sebastian's got a trainee in there. That's right, welcome Ryan. Welcome to Ryan. Yep. Ryan, yeah, welcome aboard. Ryan, um, this is what you'll hear, you first-time callers. Yeah, you get your garden wings. Okay. Mm. That said, I see that speaking of Sebastian and Ryan, they've been hard at work, and we've got callers all lined up ready to talk to you, Charlie, here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeedy. And let's uh, check in with uh, Josephine out there in Pickering to see which question she is going to go with this morning. (laughs) Hello, Josephine. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Believe it or not, I'm going to cover both of them with one question. (laughs) Okay, good. Go for it. Good morning. They're in the baby stage, Mm -hmm. and I mean baby. Okay. Now... If I can't get them in in the fall, can I put them both in a refrigerator or the outside shed? We better make sure that the listeners know exactly what you're okay, talking so about. Okay, so iris here. is in tulip. So yeah. you, these are, um, well, the one's iris a is a tuber, and the tulip is a bulb. And But these are, you've just purchased them this fall, yes, it sounds I like? Have. Okay. Uh, put them in the refrigerator. So, you I'm know. I'm dubious about the iris. I would do everything in my power to get them in the ground. And actually, today is your day. Get them in the ground. Yeah, because it's going to, we've got lots of rain coming. So even if if it's not a permanent location, it's not hard to move either of those things in the future. Okay. Keep in mind the iris and the tulips, both of them, full sun, so lots of sun where they're going. Right. Well drained, not a low, soggy spot in the garden, though obviously everything's soggy right now. Right. Uh, Iris, of course, you're going to plant very high in the garden right just just below soil level Mm -hmm. tulips you're going to go down four or five inches and check first that no squirrels are watching when you put the tulips (laughs) you want to know something i got a family of chipmunks what do i do oh you just gotta make sure well just make sure they're not watching that's all (laughs) they won't know when they when they see me go out they come out well so you grab yourself a handful of peanuts or something and you distract them them Mm -hmm. somewhere else on the property so they're busy over there and you're quickly banging those tulips into the ground (laughs) and then throw some leaves and some whatever branches on top of where you've planted the tulips and then they won't know that you've been digging in there Aren't I lucky that I got a great big bag of peanuts? There you go. Aren't you lucky that you're so smooth? You actually did turn that into a (laughs) two-question deal. You son of a gun. (laughs) Thanks, Josephine. You're very welcome. Have a good weekend and stay safe. You too. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. All righty. From Pickering to Don Mills, Charlie, we uh, are next lined up to talk to Mm. Bob. Hey, good morning, Bob. Welcome to the show. Hi, Charlie and Frank. How are you today? Good morning. Great. Great. We've been working away at crabgrass. We went out mm-hmm. to getting the garden ready for, for winter, and, mm-hmm. and these little clumps of crabgrass are all over the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been dutifully uh, lifting the, the clumps up with uh, a pitchfork, yep. and my wife has been picking out, and we've been going clump to clump to clump. Good. I guess the question is, is there an easier way to eliminate crabgrass? Well, you know, it's an interesting question because 
um, <clears throat> crabgrass, those plants you're digging up right now, they're actually an annual plant. So those plants that you're digging out will die this winter, will not be there again next spring. Ah. They will die in the frost. However, before winter, each of those little clumps can produce up to 60,000 seeds. And those little clumps are... And that's what I'm just thinking is they may have already projected their seeds out onto your lawn. Ah. So what you're digging is just doesn't matter anyway. It's academic, okay. Yeah, so double check. Look, you, you, it's, you can tell what the seed heads because they lie right on the surface of the soil. Right. They, at this time of year, should be sort of a purplish tinge. Right. And um, you'll be able to see whether there's seeds still attached to the stems there or whether they've... Uh, eliminated those seeds from the plant. If the seeds are still there, it's totally worth it to, to dig them. If the seeds have been ejected from the plant, then ignore the plants. That makes no difference. And mark on your calendar that you'll be using uh, something called crabgrass control fertilizer next spring. Crabgrass control fertilizer. Yeah, it's a corn gluten mm-hmm. addition okay. to the spring fertilizer. And you'll be using that on your lawn uh, roughly when the forsythia are just starting to, to turn yellow, so the shrub, the yellow shrubs, yes. and you you'll know that when you use that, all those it'll stop the crabgrass seeds from growing. Ah, one add-on question to that on the same topic: We have one of these machines that suck up leaves and mulch them, mm-hmm. or whatever, it's sort of like a vacuum cleaner that mm-hmm. you carry around. Mm-hmm. Um, would they suck up the seeds? Um, they they probably would suck up some of them, but they're very, very small seeds, and they're okay. going to lodge. Seeds are very clever. Well, plants have evolved to be very clever in terms of how they place their seeds. And, of course, the idea is that the seeds will fall into little cracks and crannies between the particles of soil. Okay. So you, I wouldn't rely on one of those sucker machines to actually look after mm-hmm. all the seeds. I would assume some survive. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, the crabgrass control stuff does work if you use it at the right time. Or the other thing is, next spring, if you miss the crabgrass control opportunity, you're out there as soon as those seeds start to germinate. You can tell crabgrass. It's very specific, bright green, little clumpy grass. Yeah. And you start pulling it in the spring. Thank you so much. You just mm. saved me a lot of work today. There well, you, go. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking, Bob, isn't that neat that uh, Charlie's advice, uh, really in this case with the crabgrass, I didn't realize that, you know, by now, uh, you know, all that hard work you were going to was really un- unnecessary. Well, but, I'm not positive. That's, yeah, I'll, but, I'm going to do, do, do a quick mm-hmm. Google search here and see. But the, uh, good stuff. I didn't have to go to the gym. So. <laughs> I know. That's what I love about gardening. Yeah. You save so much money. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bob. Have a great day. And Bob Mills here Bye-bye. at Don Thank Mills. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. We've got other callers, of course, lined up. But I will let you know that there maybe is a line open right now yes. at, yes, indeed, there is, 416-360-0740 in Toronto. And anywhere else in the province, of course, it's toll-free, one 866 740-4740. And Charlie shall return with the advice and all sorts of other stuff coming up next on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Will, Charlie, on this rather cloudy Saturday morning. Uh, let's, Not to uh, mention cool Saturday well, morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, just about the freezing mark when I got yeah, the car. Yeah, there was some frosty <laughs> stuff oh, on my roof. Yeah, put the uh, seat warmer on, I'll yes, tell you. Yes, love those. Scarborough, there's Renee. Good morning, Renee. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Renee. Good morning. Yes, good morning. What, what's going on in your garden? Oh, 
I have a small tomato plant my daughter brought, Mm -hmm. and it's bringing some nice big red tomatoes. But what I noticed a couple days ago, there's some white stuff on the leaves, and I was wondering, should I eat the tomatoes? Because there's some couple ripe ones on it. Oh, yeah, the tomatoes are fine. But don't expect the the plant. Doesn't matter. No, doesn't matter. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, I was going to say, don't expect a tomato plant to survive Mm -hmm. as the days are shorter and shorter and shorter, and we're losing it, you know, changing up our our clocks tonight. Uh, But, yeah, if you've got almost ripe tomatoes, absolutely, nothing wrong with them. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, Cambridge, there's Elizabeth. Good morning, Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hello, Elizabeth. Yeah. (laughs) And this weird sort of weather. I know. It's crazy. What's going on? (laughs) My son just called me the other day. I was talking to him, and he says, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe my eyes. My flowering crab, or my crab tree is getting flowers on it." Oh, I know. Well, you know what that's all about. It's because we had the. Anybody else have flowers on their crabs? Yep, they have flowers on their crabs. They have magnolias opening early. I've seen some rhododendrons showing some color. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's because it was so warm. I have a. what's called an indoor holly that I was given, well, this will be the third Christmas part. I've had it in, out in the summer, in, in the winter, mm-hmm. and this year I brought it in early before the weather got chilly. But the leaves are browning, and I've lost an awful lot of leaves. It's defoliating. Mm. It, it came with artificial berries on, which <laughs> shocked the giver. Said, oh, my goodness, I bought it at a nursery. <laughs> But anyway, it has got a few berries, but they're browning and falling off, too. So mm-hmm. what's causing the browning in the leaves? Well, what have you done differently this year from the other years when you've had better I success? I haven't done one thing different. Same windows, same everything. Could it be? I mean, certainly the summer was very different this summer compared to the summer so before. It did well, it grew well. It grew new growth on it and everything. <sighs> but a lot of that, even the little stems are browning and falling. So I snipped the leaves in the mm-hmm. Stems off as they brown. There is signs of new growth coming from the stem. Yeah, so that's the best thing you can do is is remove anything that's clearly brown and shriveled. So the other thing I would wonder is if the plant's been in that same pot for all those years. No, it hasn't. I transplanted it into a bigger pot this year. Okay, so that's what you did different. See, I told you you did something different. (laughs) (laughs) So what's happened is, is, okay, when did you do the transplanting? In the spring or the summer? Pardon? When did you transplant into a bigger pot? Um, early in the summer. Okay. All right. So it's all right. So do, and you did use good quality potting soil. Oh yes. Okay. Good. And how much bigger was the pot? Oh, um, a couple inches, maybe. Because mm-hmm. sometimes what happens. So if a plant, say, is in a 4-inch pot, we go up to a 6-inch. And if it's in a 6-inch pot, we go up to an 8-inch. And sometimes we try to circumvent the, the multi-transplantings, so we, we jump a few sizes on our pots. Well, pot it was probably in an 8-inch pot, and it's probably in a 10-inch pot now. Okay, well, that would be appropriate. Just because um, is, there is a level of shock to the plant when it's transplanted. It, it did fine after I transplanted mm-hmm. it. Yeah, no, which is great. I mean, it, it responded to all the the beautiful rain we've had and of course the summer did eventually get warm and and hollies do like you know good moisture etc so just be careful with it indoors right now that you won't be w- with the bigger pot and more soil your watering will be different this year than it was last year when it was in a smaller well, pot. Just keep it moist but I, there has been one long shoot uh, this holly is different like there's mm-hmm. only one little 
pricker on the end, mm -hmm. like the rest of the leaf is smooth mm -hmm. and just one little pick on the end. Mm -hmm. But there is one, I think it must be on a graft or something that just shot right up in the pot. Oh, yeah, it maybe. It lost the leaves too, but there's a lot of new growth on it, and I didn't know if I should have cut that out. I mean, it's not distracted to the plant. Will it hurt to leave it? Uh, does it look, are the leaves on it looking exactly identical to the other leaves on the plant? There might be a little different, not a lot. Hmm. Okay, so hard to say. It, but it's what, enough that I can tell it is not from the same plant. Oh, all right. So there you go. Yes, I would go down and remove that because that, if if it is a grafted plant, and so the, the root is one plant and the top is a different plant, and we allow growth to come from the root, so we call that a sucker when it grows up off the root, what ends up happening is the, the root stock in, with grafted plants tends to be very, very vigorous and very strong, and that's why they use it as the root stock. If we allow grow, like top growth, um, leaf and stem growth from those roots, we lose the graft because the dominance of that, those will suckers take will take over. Exactly. I so see. I would follow it down. Just, you know, put on a little pair of gloves and move the yep. soil aside. I know where exactly where it comes and from. And see where it comes from and break it off at that point from the root if that's okay. where it's coming from. Okay. Yep. Good stuff. Thank you, Thanks, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us here yeah. on uh, Good the weekend where the clocks go back. We get an extra hour of sleep. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'm so delighted that Veronica here in Toronto decided to call because she is a first-time caller. Nice. Which gives me reason to <laughs> ring the bell. Yeah, there we go. Welcome to you the show, Veronica. got your garden wings there, Veronica. Hello. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What's going on? I'm calling. My daughter has moved into an apart from a house to apartment building, mm -hmm. and I'm have I have her two clematis plants here. Mm -hmm. And uh, could I winterize them in the pot, or do I have to put them in the ground? Well, you could leave them in the pot, but I would bury the pots in the ground for your best chance of survival. Oh, okay. Okay, leaving That's them great. Yeah, leaving them above ground outside is too cold and yeah. trying to bring them into the house or the garage or the shed is too unknown in terms of the ultimate temperatures. So, oh. just leave them in the pot. If you have a spot, bury the pots. Okay, thank okay. you very much. You're very welcome. Have Join us anytime, okay? You too. <laughs> You're always welcome. Doors always open, as we say. And the coffee's show. always on. And they, yes, yes. And uh, this, well, I just need a little. Mm. Speaking of sipping coffee. Ah, there we yes. go. Yeah, I needed that. All righty. Um, here we are. The bell's out again. Oh, excellent. This time, that's for Andy and Mrs. Sog. Good morning, Andy. Welcome to the show. Good morning, you two. Morning. Welcome. Listen, Charlie, I've got a, a white spruce that was given. Mm -hmm. It's about eight inches, and I've got in a, a pot that's about seven by ten inches, mm -hmm. and I want to keep it over the winter. Right. I'm on a balcony. Okay. Which okay. direction does your balcony face? South. Mm. Okay. Is there any... I've got, I've got a shed on the balcony, and oh. it's heated. Oh, yeah, you don't want it heated. You know, you want you do not want that plant heated. You want that plant to be subjected to winter, uh, uh -huh. but your point is a good one, in a pot, on a balcony. What uh, what story are you on? I'm on the second floor. Oh, so just the second floor. So it's a right. garden home. It's only, there's only three, so I'm just one above the ground. You're right. Second floor balcony. But it's in a clay pot. Okay, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. 
clay pot is not great in the winter. They have a tendency to break. Uh, hmm. Is there any possibility uh, around in the apartment, in the area of the apartment, or a friend, could you take that little baby spruce tree, put it into a plastic pot, and then get somebody you know to bury it in their garden for the winter? And then bring it back to your garden, to your balcony for next spring and summer and fall. Uh, yeah, that yeah, that would I be give optimal. it to my daughter. There you go. That would be optimal. But get it out of the clay pot. Get it into a plastic pot. Okay, and like if I put in a big plastic, well, let's see, like a five-inch pail. A five-gallon a five pail. I wouldn't go so big for two reasons. One is it's going to shock the plant, and for another reason, it's just that much more to bury. So it, you know, whatever you, you yeah, said, it's no, about... No, I'm a, talking about keeping it on the balcony. Oh, for next that. next year. Yes, but for this winter, I wouldn't do anything dramatic in terms of a huge pail. So, no. Uh, and, and you're right. Like, we, you know, we were just talking to um, uh, Elizabeth, who was phoning from Cambridge, and she had done some transplanting yeah. of her holly. So we want to be careful that we don't go from like a little six-inch pot up to a, you know, 10-liter pail. It's too yeah. shocking on the plant. Better to just, you know, go slowly. And for sure, it's a lovely idea to have a little spruce tree on your balcony. Southern yeah. exposure, excellent. And, you know, if you can slowly but surely care for it over the years pot it up as necessary, send it off for its winter vacation to your daughter's place, bring it back to your place for the rest of the year, um, you can slowly grow that plant into quite a lovely little tree. And eventually, you're right, you'll be in quite a good-sized pot. Okay, that's great. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks, Thanks for your call. Okay, so this brings up a great point. Uh, Andy calling about white spruce. Let me tell you about this amazing book I got a hold of this week. It is called... Well, you, have you ever heard? You've probably never heard of you. You being the sous chef of the garden, <laughs> have never heard of Michael Durr. But Michael Durr is is the the guru of the garden. He's an American. Um, he's a PhD uh, specialist in woody plants. Woody, <clears throat> excuse me, ornamental plants. Mm-hmm. So, what are woody plants? Trees and shrubs. Okay. He's been in the business forever. He's been writing books forever. When I was at university, I had that long ago. Exactly, like <laughs> back when the dinosaurs roamed to the earth. Lord. When I was at university. <laughs> I had one of my textbooks in my woody plant class was Michael Durer's book. Wow. So over the years, he continues to update because, you know, new cultivars are introduced and new new plants are, are brought on the market. And the way he writes is great because he's very clear about what he likes and doesn't like and why he likes it. So it's not just, you know, grows 40 feet tall and 30 feet wide and likes full sun. He's like... This plant is the biggest mistake you could possibly put in your garden. Or, <laughs> well, good. Yeah. or, or this plant is highly underrepresented in the trade. So he's, it's a great book. Anyway, bottom line, it's called Durr's Encyclopedia of Trees and Shrubs. It's 951 pages long. I weighed it. It's seven and a half pounds of book. So <laughs> wow. this is one honking book. But over close to 4,000 glossy photographs in the book. So that's why it's so heavy, right? It's glossy paper. And uh, so if you want to learn or you're at all interested in learning more about trees and shrubs, this is a book worth getting a hold of. And of course, it's a long-term investment book. Mm. You, you, you hold on to it forever and ever, and you put it in your will to which grandchild you're going to give it to at, at the end, because it's uh, these books are, you know, they're worth a pretty penny, but they're really handy. Yeah, and it crossed my mind, you know, uh, to tell you how my mind works weird. Mm. Uh, a dichotomy, <laughs> no, rather a dichotomous situation when you think of it. Here's a seven and a half pound book, and how many trees <laughs> did you kill to, to print that book? Only the trees he doesn't like got uh, killed. There you go. So you see, he would have been very selective. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Hey, Pat in Grafton. Good morning. Welcome to the show. 
Good morning. Thank you for taking my call on this frosty morning. Yeah, good morning. I have a question about my bloomerang lilac. Mm -hmm. It's um, maybe five or six years old. I have a hard time keeping track of time. Mm -hmm. And it lives up to its name. It's got Mm -hmm. blooms on it now. Mm -hmm. Um, My question is, I'd like to trim it for shape. Is now time to trim it? I know if blooms come on the new growth. I know. It's always like it's very okay. So just so everybody knows, bloomerang lilac. What makes it so special is that it's it's a lilac that blooms all the time. So you get your big flush of beautiful blooms in the spring, but then it continues to set buds and blooms as you point out right through till sometimes Christmas. The yeah. optimal time, and so you say to yourself, when can I ever prune it? It's always in bloom. So what I, the optimal time to prune it is right after that big flush, that first growth, first bloom in the spring. So the bloomerang will bloom just like all our regular lilacs in whenever that is, sort of mid-spring. And at that point, our normal lilacs, we go in and we deadhead and we, we shape and then we prepare for the following year. In the case of the bloomerang, do the same thing. Do your deadheading, do your shaping, and then, of course, expect some blooms by July more blooms as opposed to june you, you're going to lose probably you'll be out of bloom for probably a full month yeah okay, okay. i did do that this year uh-huh. and it just like it was absolutely fabulous on its first bloom it yeah. was it was hard to find a spot where there wasn't a bloom yeah, mm. yeah it's a great shrub and uh i tried like cutting them off individually and i mean that's like yeah forget <laughs> it <laughs> and so i thought well it's getting too big and so i just really cut yeah. it yeah like gave it a whole haircut I did, yeah, and then it didn't seem to have as many blooms after that, right. and I thought, mm, I've done something wrong. No, but uh, it's a no. lovely bush. No, you see, that's the thing when you do that haircut or or that pruning. Uh, you are taking away. See, remember, as those beautiful blooms are blooming, new little buds are forming. So when you do that haircut, you ended up taking off all those those the next level of blooms, which right. were in the bud stage. So it just meant that you had a delay till you got the next set of, of, of blooms. Okay. So that would be your best time to maximize your flowering. And don't be afraid to cut it back so that you only – the most you want to do this once a year, but preferably try and cut it back enough so you only have to once every two years. Well, I gave it a pretty good cut. Oh, there you go. So <laughs> then you won't need to do it again then this coming spring. Okay, Maybe. but in the spring, or if I get gets warm enough between now and snow time, do I cut off the dead um, blooms? You can, if you want to, for sure. You can always, always, with all of our trees and shrubs, you can always take off brown dead stuff at any time of year. So dead flowers, damaged stems and, and branches stems rubbing together, any kind of what we call the dead, the diseased, or the damaged can be removed at any time on any tree or shrub when you see it. Yeah, because I've noticed on this one, if you don't cut off the blooms, and there are so many that mm. that I do miss some. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll happen. But but not to worry. Nobody's a perfect deadheader when it comes to bloomering lilacs because they, they, they bloom in far too large of a quantity. Okay, thanks for your call, Thank, thank Pat. you, Pat. And uh, we'll be along, actually, in just a moment or so, uh, checking in to a listener in Cookstown. First-time caller at that. Oh, get but your we arm do, going. We have to uh, take a little break here to give uh, some time for our sponsors, most importantly, here on The Garden Show, as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Create an outdoor living space that reflects your distinctive style. 
At Arts, the landscape supplier, you can explore the many options in paving stones and retaining walls from Unilock to turn your outdoor dreams into reality. Arns has something for everyone. The selection, the knowledge, and a competitive price. For over 40 years, Arns has been the choice of Durham and the GTA. Take a lesson from them and visit Arns, the landscape supplier, on Lake Ridge Road, just north of Taunton. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Frank deftly reaches for the bell oh, just a minute. So smooth. <laughs> hey, that's for Leslie, first time caller out there in Cookstown. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Thank you. I feel special now. There you go. You've got your wings. <laughs> oh, very nice. Um, my question, and I'm sure you, you must have addressed it before, but I, I've just recently started listening to the show. My Rose of Sharon, should I be pruning it now, or do I prune it in the spring? Is it similar to my other rose bushes? Uh, okay, so your regular rose bushes, we only trim back in the fall for to avoid uh, them damaging themselves or others, and we do our, our real serious pruning on our roses early in the spring. Now, Rose of Sharon, you can prune it now or you can prune in the spring. I'm a pretty big fan of pruning in the spring, uh, partially because you've probably still got buds on the Rose of Sharon now, and it's it's an attractive plant. I, mm-hmm. I think it looks good even when it's finished flowering. It's got all the little fruits hanging on it, uh, little you know capsules hanging. So it's, it's a nice-looking plant, and it's very easy to trim in the spring because it's one of the last plants to leaf out. So you can get busy pruning everything and get your Rose of Sharon last, because it's still dormant when everything else has started to grow. And uh, and then you can really take a look at it. And that, you can see what you're doing better in the spring because there's no leaves in the way. Um, good point. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, and that's terrific. That'll be easy to remember. Just do them all at the same time. But yeah. leave the rose to share and last. Yeah, just because you can get to it. it. It's not leafing out when everything else is. It's, yeah. you, everybody always thinks they're dead. But nope, they're just a little slow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, terrific. Well, thank you, and love the show. Uh, Leslie, thank you. Thank you, by the way, for mentioning that you've become a regular listener now. It's always nice to kind of hear that sort of growth in our listenership, as Mm -hmm. it were, and uh, get to know that, hey, you're you're part of uh, somebody's morning routine. uh, (laughs) Saturday Saturday morning morning. routine. That's right. Oh, yes, you are now. Well, we appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, you you betcha. Hey, and uh, this just makes me think of an email I'm looking at right now that came from somebody named Judy, Judy Dorsch. This is back in September. She said um, she was wondering a couple of things. Her Christmas cactus it was outside in September, and she wondered when to bring it inside. And I'm going to tell you right now, Judy, uh, leave it outside. Leave it. You can almost leave it out as long as you want. As soon as you bring it in, all those flowers are going to burst forth. So mm-hmm. if you want it to bloom for Christmas, leave it outside till for another, I would leave it out for till the end of November if you can. Christmas cactus can go right down to uh, zero, you know, mm-hmm. minus one, as long as it's not dried right out. So make sure it's watered as necessary and that it's not being subjected to a lot of wind and that sort of thing. They can handle quite chilly conditions and it would be covered in flower buds when you bring it in. But the other question, because, you know, when people email, they they ask 27 questions, unlike the radio show where you're <laughs> yes. in charge of them. Uh, um, uh, Judy mentions that she had heard me say that uh, this is not the time to prune, and this is back in mid-September. So she wondered about pruning anything. She's thinking about her hydrangeas, her daisies, her roses of Sharon, and her roses. So, uh, Judy, if you're listening... 
I leave hydrangeas alone for the winter. I like having those blooms hang on, again, quite ornamental, and get pruned back in the spring. Daisies, if we're talking about Shasta daisies or, you know, any of those kinds of black-eyed Susans, certainly you can prune those back now. Always deadhead the flowers, Mm -hmm. so you'll have those sort of dried-up flowers. Uh, unless you want to leave them for the seeds that are there for the finches to eat over the winter. Ah, they can provide uh-huh. quite a good little little edible snack for the birds. Rose of Sharon, as we mentioned, and roses, as mentioned earlier to Leslie, only prune to avoid any kind of damage for the winter. Do your radical you know, hard pruning in the spring. All righty. Okay. okay, and uh, as I glanced at our monitor, I know we have two lines open right now, so if, if you've been trying to get through, this would be an excellent time. <laughs> if you're in Toronto, call this number, 416-360-0740, and anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And it's just dawned on me, it's been some time, I think, since I uh, have given Charlie's uh, email address, so here it is. It's C dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. All righty, those little uh, duties out of the way. Let's uh, get you. on to a caller from Scarborough. There's Wanda. Good morning, Wanda. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Your program is most informative, and it's entertaining, too. <laughs> <laughs> we strive to please. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, my question is regarding a miniature hydrangea. Mm-hmm. I have it in the North Bay window and it seems to the the leaves curl mm-hmm. and then I give it some more water and they unfurl. <laughs> yeah. But now the um they're not as green as they were. Ah. Well when was the last time you fertilized? Oh well, I guess that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, get a hold of... Well, okay, so was this a hydrangea you were given as a gift back in the spring? Yes. You know, like Easter, Mother's Day, that sort of thing. So um, get. was it pink or blue when you were purple when you got it? Uh, it was kind of uh, pink, pinkish, bluish. Yeah, okay. So up to you, just a regular flowering plant fertilizer, uh, you know, mixed with water, and then you water the plant when required with the fertilizer. And I would do that, you know, a couple of times over the next month or so. Um, You will get pink flowers. If you want to try and push for the blue or the purple flowers, which were on that plant when you got it, you would have to find a fertilizer that will say on the package that it is for acid-loving plants. So oh. you, there are fertilizers out there. It'll say, you know, fertilizer for acid-loving plants. It'll say for azaleas, rhododendrons, um, yeah, the, whatever. And bottom line is there, it is, it, uh, fertilizer will help lower the pH of the potting soil, which will affect the color of the blooms. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, so up to, I mean, if you already own just a regular flowering plant fertilizer, don't worry about going out getting a new one. Just use what you've got. Mm-hmm. But if you want to try and experiment with color modification, because hydrangeas are quite amenable to that, then you could uh, you could play with that with, a, with a, uh, like I say, an acid-loving fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Oh, excellent. Thank okay. you very much. Oh, you're very Thank welcome. You. Thanks for calling. Indeed. And don't Indeed. be a stranger. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Let's see, what time is it now? Okay, yeah, we do have to take uh, a little bit of a break, so let's do that now, okay. and then we'll uh, come back and have a word with Sandra out there. And I love, uh, she always uh, says South Etobicoke, so I presume that she can look out her window and see the lake. I that's guess. What, that's what's in my mind. Because Etobicoke is a pretty big borough. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's just see if, if she does have a view of the lake <laughs> and when we come back and have a chat with her here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, let's see. We're, uh, Charlie, heading toward Mississauga now. Wait, wait. I thought we were going yeah. to South Etobicoke. Oh, my golly. Yeah, you know, I... I silly uh, put a little check mark there before <laughs> before the actual fact had happened. So indeed, South Etobicoke, Sandra, can you see the lake from your place? No, I can't. <laughs> About two kilometers from the lake. Oh, okay. We were all poised to hear what was going on in the lake. <laughs> That's right. Good morning, Charlie Frank. Hi, Sandra. Um, my question is: Two years ago, I bought something, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Solanum blue. Mm-hmm. Um, to put in one of my planters. It's beautiful, little yeah. blue flowers with a yellow center. Mm-hmm. And I overwintered it without reading the label last year. Mm-hmm. I had it in the light, and it grew like crazy, mm-hmm. but no flowers this year. Oh. It tells me to cut it back by half uh-huh. and put it in a dark, frost-free place right. with moist compost. I did that. Every single leaf dropped off. Right. And now, because it's in my basement, which is probably not 100% dark, Mm. it's trying to grow new leaves, which, of course, are white. Right. From lack of light. Is Uh, it okay? um, So, hmm, I know. What's the temperature like in your basement? Is it quite warm? Well, we have the heating turned off down there. We don't use it that much. Mm. Um, But, yes, I mean, it's... It's warmer, say, than a, a garage. Yeah, Our garage root is not heated. It's uh, not attached to the house. Yeah, that would be too cold. So that, yes. Yeah, because, I mean, it wouldn't be too cold now, but it, by January it'll be too cold, yeah, likely. You know, once I, I have a storage room within the basement, which is actually cooler than the actual... Oh, that basement. would be better. It's like a root cellar storage room? Um, or? It's just where I keep homemade jam, right. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I could put it in there, and that is a lot darker. Right. So two things would happen if you moved it in there. One is the cool will slow down any kind of physiology of what's going on in the plant. So the cooler temperature promotes a dormant plant. And then the pitch dark, of course, will also promote a dormant plant. Mm -hmm. So what those little white wispy growths that are on there will shrivel up and die. But what you want, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the plant, you kind of hold the plant in in a sort of a stasis level of um, not growing, but still having all that energy, that potential energy inside the plant so that when the conditions are right, it's got all that carbohydrate stored away in its roots and you bring it into the light in March and all of a sudden it goes wham and it starts to grow because it's got all that stored energy. If so I bring it, it into the light gradually. I put it maybe actually in the basement where there is some sort of filtered light and as I physically put the lights on and then 
introduce it to outside as I would do. Yeah, you would definitely gently introduce it to the outside. But I would bring it, go from dark to uh, upstairs in um, a bright room, but not direct sunlight when you first do bring it upstairs in the spring. Because otherwise you're just going to promote more of that little white spindly growth. And it's it's trying to... To grow leaves, they're mm. actual leaf shapes. Yes, and that's because, like you said, it is getting some light, yeah. and it is in such a high temperature, it's growing in the higher temperatures because the respiration within the plant is supported by higher temperatures. So if you can I lower the temperature, how quickly it dropped its leaves. Yeah, I mean, within a couple of days. Yeah. Well, like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Sure. Well, it did a shock thing, right? Yeah. yeah, you cut it back, you gave it the dark, and it went, oh, my gosh, I'm going to sleep, and it dropped everything. Yeah. But then it went, but hold on, I'm kind of waking up here. It's not really, I'm not really asleep. So, yeah, cool it down and darken it down, and you should be able to hold it for the next few months and bring it out uh, late winter, early spring. I mean, putting something over it, would that help if, if I can't get it really dark? Uh, no, the temperature is going to make the difference. If you can lower the temperature around that plant, you're going to slow everything right down. I'll try moving it and see if that... that yeah, that's great, yeah. And All right. Then, um, let- should I perhaps prune it a bit more? Maybe I didn't it- cut it back enough. It- I was a little worried about it. Uh, well, if it's suggested that you cut it back by half, did you do that? Probably not. Probably about a third. Um, so depending on keeping in mind, it's going to grow next year, spring and summer, and it's going to grow, you know, a foot next year. Are you okay with it being that size next fall when you bring it in again, right? Like it's a, trying to anticipate, is it small enough now so that when next year it grows, it's, it's, you can handle it mm-hmm. because you can't be pruning it in July next year because there goes your flowers. Right. This is your pruning chance right now. I probably would like it a little shorter. There you go. So do a little more pruning, get it in the cool and the dark. Sounds like you uh, you have some work ahead of you then. And <laughs> let us know how that works out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I also had the wonder flowers, and they worked out oh. very well. I saved yeah, seeds I from them, mm-hmm. and they, they were the strange roots that looked like yeah. a carrot. Yeah. And they were, they were wonderful. Oh, nice. Good. Good well, thank know. you for that report, too. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much, uh, Sandra. Take care of South Etobicoke for us. <laughs> That's right. and, and when you get down to the lake, have a peek at it for us. <laughs> okay. Uh, Hazel in Mississauga is on the line next. Uh, Good morning, Hazel. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. I have a question about cutting back the um, a couple of clematis plants I have. Mm-hmm. I've not done it. Um, I believe I should, mm-hmm. but what happens is... Come springtime, uh-huh. um, it starts to grow, you know, grow yep. and yep. produce flowers, but the lower part looks naked. really dead, and yep. I'm never sure which um, of the stems I should be cutting, which All is right. dead and which is Oh, yeah, no, no, alive. no, that's a good question, because uh, you're right. Many times people are a little bit hesitant and don't know when to prune clematis. So I'm assuming that the ones you have, when they flower, they are a star-shaped flat flower? Uh, yes. Likely so. purple or white or pink or something um, like that? I have uh, one of each, actually. Okay, great. So here's the scoop. Clematis fall into four different categories. The category of clematis you have is what we call summer blooming clematis. The time to prune is in the spring. So in the spring, when and so what you're going to do is you're going to keep track. You're going to watch. Depends. It could be April, could be May, depending on the temperatures. At some point, you're going to see some little furry buds on the the brown stems of your clematis. They're like little tiny mouse ears. They're little furry gray-green buds. 
When you see those buds, that is your indication of when to prune. You're going to get out your pruners. You're going to just go right across that plant, uh, cutting all the stems down to about an 8-inch height. All right? And that'll eliminate the top, and you're going to get all new growth from the bottom. You'll have flowering bottom to top, and it'll be way better. And do that every spring. Thanks, Hazel. Thank and you. Yeah, we're out of time. We have mere seconds. Well, you know, that's what happens yeah, when yeah. we keep taking questions <laughs> right to the end. <laughs> so, Frank, you're back for some more I chit-chat am. later. Between 1 and 3.30. Delighted to have the folks join me then. All right. I'm going home to put some fertilizer on my lawn and uh, some garlic and to get that garlic planted. Got to do that eventually. Good stuff. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Sebastian. And, and Ryan. to our great callers and our new acolyte, Ryan. So <laughs> and you, Frank. Thanks a bunch. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.